Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, Yasmin Aliyah Khan, host of Global Thread Podcast, Rebel HQ contributor and an amazing person. Should be a remarkable breakdown. Top story of the day, Denver police shot six bystanders and an innocent black man who was completely complying. When I tell you this looked more like an attempted murder than some normative police action, that's an understatement. Let me take you to the video, here it is. The police are looking for individuals who were involved in a fight. They find an African American male, they believe he's armed. He puts his hands up immediately, he throws the gun away. The gun is in the air, see there, it's in the air and they still shoot him. So even if he thought, well, maybe I was in danger, why did he continue to shoot the black male when the gun was now solidly on the ground? In addition to that, another officer on the side of this victim started shooting at him as well, no gun. The black male had no gun, his hands were up. So we have the police on the other side of the alley who shot in the back. I see. So okay. This ambulance is going to take the girl with the leg and the guy with the arm. Okay. And then the ambulance that's right there okay. is going to take the guy with the one in the back. Keep doing. It might be in that area or for no reason. The right side of that white SUV, right here on the right side. What you just saw was a mass shooting, defined by the FBI. The FBI says a mass shooting is when three or more individuals are shot at the same time. What you just saw was Denver police engaging in a mass shooting against citizens. I want you to think about the context here. It's bad enough if you shoot at someone and you hit one innocent bystander. They hit six, all six of them could be dead, including Mr. Wadi, the black male who was unarmed at the time of the shooting. Now remember, they lied on their initial report about what happened. That's a violation of oath of office, right? That's illegal, completely illegal. The black male, his brother is alive, but he could be dead. He was shot multiple times, no weapon, he threw it away. And why is it that all of a sudden an American citizen with a gun causes such alarm? Why is it that if a white male had a gun, he will be considered patriotic, but a black male who had a gun, they started to target him? Let me give you the background. Denver's district attorney says that she is now opening a grand jury investigation into the actions of three police officers who wounded six bystanders while shooting an unarmed suspect in a crowded downtown Denver nightlife zone last month. So. This DA, I gotta say something, 
because the article does not point it out. This DA initially decided, well, there's nothing to see here. It wasn't until the video came out, the video that we assume was seen by the DA's office. Once that video came out to the public, that's when this DA said, we're gonna now investigate. The officers had already been placed on administrative leave while pending a separate internal investigation into the shooting which took place on July 17th. Which happened as dozens of patrons left bars that were closed for the night in the city's lower downtown neighborhood. Once again, the person this happened to is Mr. Jordan Wadi, okay? And as I said before, he's expected to survive. The public's interest in this particular shooting incident is understandably high, the DA said Beth McCann. Announcing the new investigation on Tuesday for the community to trust in the outcome of this incident. It is important that independent members of the community review the facts, evidence and law regarding whether these officers should be criminally charged. What, excuse me, who? Independent members of the community. Review the facts, madam, that's why you were elected. You were elected to prosecute crime, not to hand it off to some committee to make a recommendation because you don't like the political entanglement. Be a leader, madam. You were willing to let these cops go with what looked to be attempted murder. Definitely negligence, criminal negligence here. You were willing to let it go until it became public. Now, you don't want to simply make an example of these cops. Madam DA, let me say this to you. Somebody make sure she gets this segment when we post it. If, I don't know, let's say the Crips, the Piru Blood would have engaged in activity like that, shooting individuals who are complying. Uh, shooting innocent bystanders, you know, that's called a drive-by. You would have had a press conference that day, Madam DA. You would have said, we're gonna make an example of these thugs in our community. But when those thugs put on a uniform and a badge, all of a sudden, your leadership decreases. Police have said the three officers whose names have not been made public fired seven times in the confrontation with the suspect Jordan Wadi, who police say was armed. That's what they said in the police report, that he was armed, he was dangerous, he drew down on them. What did you see in the video? You saw a man tossing a gun away. You saw a man trying to live. You saw a man who got shot even after the gun was on the ground. The gunfire erupted as a nearby group of party goers left the bar gathered at a food truck. The officers were following Mr. Wadi, 21 years of age, after they saw him punch another man during a fight. Now, the witnesses say they were involved in mutual combat, all right? Body cam footage released by Denver police on Tuesday appears to show Wadi holding a pistol and throwing it to the ground as the officers open fire. Police previously said Wadi was holding the firearm before the shooting. 
At least one officer shot at Wadi while facing a crowd of people gathered behind the suspect. The footage shows when the shots were fired, the crowd scattered. Some people fell to the ground in a rush to escape and others ducked behind the food truck or crawled on all fours. Now, let me ask you this, if you were in that crowd, right? Who's the public safety threat to you? Is it Mr. Wadi? Is it the fight that took place or the police? What element was the most critical public safety dynamic? It was the cops. Mr. Wadi, who suffered non-life-threatening injuries, was arrested still on suspicion, suspicion of felony menacing, suspicion and possession of a handgun by a previous offender. Court records said he is represented by a lawyer from the public defender's office, which does not comment on cases. Six bystanders were injured and authorities have said all received hospital treatment for non-life-threatening injuries. The police are now engaging in mass shootings in the United States of America. I know no one died, their lives have been turned upside down. They will have physical disabilities for the rest of their natural lives, but they all could be dead, every single one of them. All right, Yasmin, thoughts on this case? Yeah, it's funny. I'm actually leaving to go to Denver as soon as I'm done with this show. I wow. have my bag packed and I'm, I'm heading out that way uh, just for the weekend. But what's interesting about this is what you said. You know, it, it is confusing whenever you have cops who are shooting the people, and then we're also afraid of mass shooters, and the cops are supposed to protect us from those people. It's a bit of a conflict of interest, or at least it's very confusing for, to the public. And then we keep hearing, especially from the back the blue faction, that people should just comply with the cops' requests whenever they're dealing with the cops, whenever they're in a certain kind of situation. And now we even have like TikTok content creators who instruct people on how exactly to comply with the cops' requests in an effort to prevent misunderstandings, communication breakdowns, ultimately situations like the one that we just saw. But still, it shouldn't be so difficult for public servants, which is what cops are, to interact and engage with ordinary citizens. There has to be some sense of humanity when approaching these situations. It's people dealing with people, but the thing is, things get complicated when you introduce deadly force or interactions between people to, to these interactions. But that's what cops are supposed to be trained to do. They're supposed to be trained to deal with these situations in a way that de-escalates any potential danger rather than exacerbates it. But Unfortunately, that's not what we're seeing. And this is really just kind of an egregious overstep of just the failure to do that. Yeah, these cops need to be arrested. They need to be charged with felonies. And we need to see the wheels of justice turn much quicker. I think it's interesting to note that none of these cops have even been held responsible for the lies they told on the police report. The video evidence clearly contradicts the police report which now becomes another criminal charge. Donald Trump, somebody else is snitching on him again. This time, his former CFO, the guy that ran all of his commercial businesses virtually, Alan Weiselberg. Let's put his picture up. He is now testifying. Against Donald Trump's companies in a criminal investigation. He has pleaded guilty. Let me give you the background. Alan Weisselberg, 
is charged with taking more than 1.7 million in off the books compensation from the Trump organization over several years, including untaxed perks like rent, car payments, and school tuition. The plea deal would require Weisselberg to speak in court Thursday about the company's role in the alleged compensation arrangement and possibly serve as a witness when the Trump organization goes on trial in October on related charges, the people said. The two people were not authorized to speak publicly about the case, but did so on the condition of anonymity. Weiselberg, who's 75 years of age, is likely going to receive a sentence of five months in jail to be served at New York's notorious Rikers Island complex. And he would or could be required to pay up about $2 million in restitution, including taxes, penalties, and interest. If that punishment holds, this former CFO would be eligible for release after about 100 days. Messages seeking comment were left with the Manhattan DA's office and lawyers for Weiselberg and the Trump organization. Weiselberg is the only person to face criminal charges so far in the Manhattan DA's long running investigation of the company's business practices. Seen as one of Trump's most loyal business associates, this former CFO was arrested July 2021. So let me give you some insight of what I believe Weiselberg is going to say. I think he's going to say, yes, I took the 1.7 million, but it was an actual arrangement with the company. This was to avoid taxation, etc. So he's likely going to make the case that his actions were in the context of a criminal conspiracy rather than him simply stealing money from one organization. Now, if that is the testimony, well, damn, that's telling. Remember on day one, I said Donald Trump will be a defendant for the rest of his life. Some sort of defendant, no matter what, he will be sued every year. He will probably have more criminal indictments or, or criminal investigations that will lead to indictment. He's going to be a defendant forever, all right? This current DOJ investigation uh, into his actions, big deal, massive. The Fulton County investigation, which is a criminal investigation also, that's massive, that's big. But he could also lose his money, to lose his wealth, he could lose his nest egg. Donald Trump is actually more concerned about his economic ability than anything else, because he realizes that's his power in this atmosphere. So while all of these criminal investigations may be problematic and concerning, um, him having his money taken away because of individuals who are now turning state evidence against him, well, that's just damning. All right, thoughts on this one. Yeah, uh, man, I mean, they keep saying that the walls are closing in on Trump. And for as pessimistic as I am, I am very hesitant to get too excited about anything. But we are seeing a lot of things happening. We're seeing Weisselberg plead guilty to charges in association with the Trump org. Uh, Paul Manafort just confessed to leaking Trump polling data to Ukraine and Russia. Uh, Lindsey Graham and Rudy Giuliani, I think as of Wednesday, was that yesterday? They were subpoenaed to testify. 
in the Georgia election tampering case. I'm sorry, uh, just to clarify, I think Giuliani was testifying yesterday. I think uh, Lindsey Graham is coming later. And then Trump himself, he had to go testify in New York and he pled the fifth, which according to him, only guilty people do. So the idea is that by targeting his inner circle, all these prosecutors and all these different cases and all these legal fronts that he's battling, if they target his inner circle, they'll eventually get closer to him. That seems to be a reasonable strategy and it seems to be working out. And now rumor has it that Trump is having a hard time finding legal representation. He's having a hard time putting together a legal team that actually wants to defend him because maybe at this point, maybe he's indefensible. And there's so much more than everything that I just mentioned or that you just mentioned. Yeah, it's it's like you know drinking water from a fire hose, right? So much information. Okay, we're going to continue to follow it, obviously. What if I told you, what if I said cops in Florida actually briefed individuals one day before the terrorist attack on January 6th, briefed them, told them what weapons to bring, were engaged in criminal conspiracy themselves? Well, that's exactly what happened. Video footage shows Florida Sheriff deputies giving a security briefing to an armed right wing group the day before they were headed to the Capitol to commit the act of terrorism. And the deputies did so under orders from a local politician. Look at the video. Please, when you're out and about, stay in groups, especially if you're gonna be wearing political clothing. Because you will be a target. Anarchists will attack when you're by yourself. All right, they don't care who you are or what you are. They're going to go after you. If you're confronted with violence, you are allowed to defend yourself. Okay, but again, that's DC, it's not Florida. Please try to avoid any confrontation if possible. You don't need to be going up there to get hurt, right? You're going up there to try to make a point. If you're confronted by antagonists, watch each other's back, please. Don't turn your back on these people, keep them in your sight. They will sucker punch you, they will kick you, they will do a lot of things. The director brought up a good point that they're, as a weapon, they're using fire. Remain peaceful and respectful to the area you're in, because you know the press isn't gonna be nice. Try to be respectful of the area you are, it is the nation's capital. Please be uh, polite to law enforcement, because they have to be there, all right? I, I agree with that. We know this is not the group that we have to preach that to. And be uh, respectful to the politicians that are there if you see them, okay? Even though you may feel both Republican and Democrat, no matter how you feel, all right? Because that when you start saying something, you're gonna be on CNN. Show them that you're there for a purpose and not for anarchy like some of the other ones are. If you're using your cell phones there, some people last time they were up there, their cell phones got attacked. So be careful if you have your Wi-Fi on and Bluetooth with your location and such. Wow. That'll be up to you, but I, that's news to me. So that's thank you for that. That was Commander Mike Lutz. That's really ironic, isn't it? Everything he said. The armed right wing group, they are called the Flagler Liberty Coalition, FLC, recommended his members pack body armor, mace, and knives, which they said were for protection. 
and were working with the county commissioner, Joe Mullins, to bring crowds to DC that day. Who are the anarchists? Who? You see this guy? He's the county commissioner. He's the one that basically runs things, okay? Mullis has faced criticism for attending the protest. And together the group brought three buses of people to Washington on January 6th. Now, are the antagonists the police? Because the individuals trying to stop their entry were officers who were trying to protect members of Congress and staff. Were the knives for the cops? All right, he paid for two of the three buses, talking about the commissioner, and he contributed a large donation to make the trip happen. So he's the money man behind it. The briefing occurred on January 5th, 2021, when Homeland Security Division of the County, Florida Sheriff's Office met with the FLC and other pro-Trump protesters about to leave for Washington DC. They said they were explicitly there on behalf of Mullins, who has been an outspoken supporter of former President Donald Trump. Okay, let's take it to another dynamic here. When have you known the police to train brief protesters? When have you known the police to embrace protests? So much so that they are basically indistinguishable between the protesters and themselves. When have you ever known this to happen? I don't care what righteous cause we have fought for in America. We have fought for some righteous causes. The police, they have never done that. They have never helped us organize in order to defeat real evil in America. But all of a sudden, one privileged ass white man doesn't wanna leave office after he lost. The police, they're friends of protesters now. They're training them, giving them advice, funding them. It's sickening. Is that a good use of the taxpayer dollar in that community? The briefing, as I said, occurred one day before. So the briefing was primarily conducted by the county sheriff's deputies, Mike Lutz, who's at the center, unmasked, and Chris Peterson, he's at the right, he got his mask on. Another officer was also present, Corporal George Bender. Throughout the briefing, Mullins stood next to the officers. Mullins is in the red hat, go figure. It combined conspiracy theories, misinformation, as well as a request that all protesters, and I quote, tell the Donald the police said hello. The deputies noted County Sheriff Rick Stalley could not appear at the briefing, but that he wished he could have been there. There he is. Recently, the Orlando Sentinel reported that the sheriff is a constitutional sheriff, part of an anti-government extremist movement that refuses to enforce laws they believe are unjust. Sounds like he's a member of the Oath Keepers. But according to the authorities, Mullins and the FLC did not respond to requests for comment. After the Daily Dot reached out, the FLC deleted all videos off YouTube referenced in this article. The video of the briefing was first taken by independent journalist Tracy Eaton and reviewed by the Daily Dot. So FLC member Mark Phillips organized the trip along with Mullins. Let's put him up, I'm exposing all of them. 
in a related video filmed prior to the briefing, Phillips told protesters to bring helmets, body armor, mace, pepper spray and knives. And noted some members of the group will be in and I quote, fight mode. That's what he said. In advance of the trip, one of the principals of the Facebook group posted that firing squads are the only way to un-F the Republic. That's what they're saying before they go to DC and commit an act of domestic terrorism. Meanwhile, no one identified as part of the FLC by the Daily Dot has been arrested or even charged for any crimes that day. Let me give you a little more background on the FLC. The group the police are addressing began as an anti-mask organization in Florida. Through their YouTube channel show members training with firearms, including one video posted before January 6th. They've been known to attend local community meetings, trying to end mask mandates in Florida schools. They are basically male Karens. All right, let's count the ways here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, you started off this whole segment talking about what would you do if I told you this happened? And I would believe it, which is really, really sad. It's not, it's what we all know, but now we're, you know, we're seeing it on video and it's hard to deny at this point. We're not able to say publicly without facing accusations of being dramatic or blowing a situation out of proportion or reading too much into things. We can't say what's there in front of us. We can't say the things that we all know to be true without being accused of being dramatic. And we field all of those accusations until there's a video like this one that leaks or that we suddenly gain access to when we finally get to say I told you so once it's already too late. And people love to deny that these horrible things happen until they can no longer deny them because it's more comfortable to live in a space of denial. And unfortunately for the victims of groups like this, like the January 6th insurrectionists, those victims don't have the luxury of that space or of that comfortability. But bad cops and bad police departments being agents of chaos and racism and hate is really nothing new. It's been a constant theme in music, it's in pop culture, it's in movies. You know, They work forces, they burn crosses, whatever it is. We know that in the past, there's been real systemic overlap between law enforcement agencies and groups like the KKK. And now the January 6th insurrectionists. And if they're not directly involved, they certainly don't do enough to curb the activities of these groups. And now we do have video evidence that they're actually enabling and helping them. And it will be interesting to see how people deny what is there in front of them. And you're so correct about the linkage to white supremacy, to the KKK racism. We all agree that Dr. King fought for righteous things. Dr. King never got that kind of treatment from any police department in the United States of America. There are people fighting for righteous things today. They did not and will not receive that kind of treatment from members of law enforcement officially. That was an official rally. All right, we're gonna follow the story, see what happens. At this point, everybody knows who they are, all right? We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, okay, we got a lot of show left. Uh, Let me remind you, YouTube channel membership, okay? In case you missed it, you can now support Indisputable by becoming a YouTube channel member right now, right now. You see that join button, if you're watching me on YouTube, 
You can click that join button, let's make it happen. It's easy, simple. There are three levels to choose from starting at $4.99 goes up from there. This includes access to fun emojis and depending on your membership level, exclusive indisputable content that I will be bringing you. We're excited to grow the membership on the YouTube page, build the community by becoming a member. You are helping support our show, the news we bring and the change we are able to make. Thank you for watching, thank you for your support. You are the reason we are the fastest growing TV news show in America. It's indisputable that your support keeps us going, all right? Let's read some of these comments. A very stable photographer says, the only danger in that public space was trigger happy cops. That's it, that is it. You eliminate the police, everybody goes home with no bullets. Make us see the silver hat dragon, don't forget, they shot the first man because he was in a fight with no weapons, he punched a man. Chicago could not be a dragon, for them to make that plea arrangement, uh, Weiselberg must have something serious Trump tells to tell. By the way, now he can't use the fifth or it would nullify the plea arrangement, that, that is accurate, it would absolutely nullify it. Um, Chicago and I Beer Dragon, welcome to Weimar, Germany, 1933. Early Bird 42, uh, thank you, Early Bird. I don't, I don't write uh, into Indisputable enough. Love you, Doc and crew. Your work is necessary and very much appreciated. Well, so is your work, your support, everything. It's iron sharpens iron. All right, C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Yesterday I had an online conversation with a Trump supporter. He asked me a list, uh, he asked me to list if I could anything Trump is guilty of my response, an emoji laughing. There you go, exactly, I, I don't have time for this. Uh, Missy Gale forever, thank you so much for joining Indisputable. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're gonna feel right, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. <laughs> Where in the hell is loss prevention? So let's put up the graphic of her damage here. I mean, she put it all on the floor. Now this particular Karen, this Karen does not care that an employee or employees would have to pick up after her. This was all performative. She went in with this mission to look for masks and throw them on the floor. 
Because that's how you stand up for freedom. If you're a white woman mildly inconvenienced. So these masks were not bothering her. And remember the movement according to the conservatives was about choice. It was about freedom, at least that's what they said. So you live such an amazing life that the most pressing thing in your life, Karen, is the fact that Target sells masks. Wow. All right, we have not been able to independently identify this particular Karen. If anybody knows who she is, I'll quickly do an intervention. She's headed down the wrong track. Thoughts on this? Yeah, how are people still so triggered by masks? Like, aren't they exhausted? It's been years of this, and they're just living in that energy all the time. Like, just get over it. Understand that you're the problem, not the rest of the world, and deal with the fact that you can't control the world or its people. And masks, of all things, it's like what you were saying, it's a choice to wear one, and it literally does not negatively impact anyone, especially not someone who's not wearing the mask. If someone's wearing a hat that I don't like, I can just choose to not care about it in my own mood is fine, I'm fine, my life goes on, that's it. That's how easy it can be. Yeah, and they, they need to start locking these people up. Something, They need yeah. to arrest them, okay? If if a black teenager would have done that, he would have been arrested, would have been taken to juvenile. No, no questions asked, okay? He could not have explained himself out of it. All right, uh, got something for you, double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. On my days off. Because I don't appreciate my dogs barking at these guys up on the roof. Okay. Well. Would that be a problem? Well, it wouldn't, but today's our last day, so we won't be here anymore. Well, that's fine with what that guy just said. But I mean, if I want He said five more to ten more days. <laughs> well, if he's on the job, you better fire him right now. I don't think so. We're allowed to start as early as we like. Nope. Uh, well, I believe we are. Oh, yeah, you are. We don't ever usually start before seven. You are, but I'm telling you, on my days off, if you keep it up... You're gonna have keep some one flat, up. You're gonna have some flat tires in the neighborhood. Keep one up though. All we're doing is roofing. All we're doing is roofing, dear. Noise. I live in the other half okay, of that. I, I, I yeah. Understand. So my dogs are watch dogs. Yeah. Well, we never started until eight thirty this morning. Make it nine tomorrow. <laughs> okay. You have a great day. If you don't. You yeah. My tires. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Anything that is sitting here is going to have a flat tire. <laughs> the Karenicity in this one runs deep. Uh, Karen's are dangerous. Let's put up her picture. We have been able to identify this Karen. By the looks of it, she obviously practices witchcraft. According to the poster, this Karen's name is Barb Redmond. This incident happened in Nova Scotia, Canada. She would also later on Facebook, if she was in Alaska, he would use the poster as a target practice, okay? Now, let's count the ways here. 
Just go down the list. She threatens to destroy their property. She says what time they can be at work on her days off. And this is a complaint because her dogs are barking due to the fact that men are working on the roof. Okay, well, it sounds like your dog is the problem, ma'am, or your dogs are the problem. And I find it interesting that even with all of this back and forth, she never considered that maybe she can compromise too. Everything was about her way or no way on her day off. Okay, uh, yes, with thoughts on this. Yeah, I'm so laughing at your witch comment. Uh, the thing with people like this though, is that their egos are so inflated that they think that their problems are everyone's problems. You know, They can't comprehend that people don't care about them. They're not thinking about them, they're not looking at them. They're not concerned about them. They're just trying to live their own lives, but these Karens, are so into everyone else's business that they don't even understand the concept of minding your own business. And they have no sense of personal responsibility, which leads to them just expecting the world and everyone in it to cater to their usually very unreasonable requests or whatever is bothering them. And people just don't care. I don't care about people and what they what they got going on. I'm just trying to live my life, you know? That's it, there you go. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Uh, Let me remind you of Unbossed with Nina Turner, our dear sister, so excited about this. Join Senator Nina Turner on her new daily live show, Unbossed, starting October 17th on TYT. She'll expose the corrupt forces that keep the power from the people and talk about what we can do to fix corruption. Tune in daily starting October 17th, make sure to subscribe. Let's go ahead and get that done now, tyt.com forward slash unbossed. TYT. Press for time, but I will read a few comments. Thank you again, C. Michael. Uh, Karen, when your dog are barking, it is telling you stop being a Karen. Woof, woof. Uh, th- thank you, Sean Cherry. Welcome to Disputable. Uh, my two cent, welcome to Disputable. Thank you so much for that. Twitch, Bomber Raider 12. I remember this, Karen. She said she was brainwashed by Donald Trump. All right, really interesting. Okay. Remember the judges? That literally took illegal payments to put children in jails. They got a kickback. Everybody they put in jail, every kid they put in jail, they got money for it. Well, those judges have now been ordered to pay more than $200 million. They're not going to pay a damn thing. I'm going to explain why. Let's put up the picture of these monsters. Two former Pennsylvania judges who orchestrated a scheme to send children children to for-profit jails in exchange for kickbacks were ordered to pay more than 200 million to hundreds of people they victimized. Mark Cyberella and Michael Conahan shut down a country-run juvenile detention center and accepted 2.8 million in illegal payments from the builder and co-owner of two other for-profit lockups. Cyberella, who presided over juvenile court, pushed a new policy, zero tolerance that guaranteed large number of kids would be sent to Pennsylvania child care and its sister facility, West PA child care. So before I get to the next part of this story, 
What did these judges do? They created a policy for the front leaning narrative. They said, okay, to justify the theft, corruption, and felonies that we're going to commit, we're simply going to say it's part of a new policy called a zero tolerance policy. And they contextualized this policy in the dynamic of tough love. We gotta teach them. Well, it had nothing to do with love at all. Well, except for the love of money. Cyberella ordered children as young as eight years of age to detention, which was extremely abnormal for a judge to do so. But that judge is thinking about that money that eight year old will put in his pockets. Many of them were actually first time offenders, deemed delinquent for petty theft, jaywalking, truancy, smoking on school grounds, and other minor infractions. Let me remind you of why this is important because I work with juvenile justice today. I work with juveniles that are incarcerated. I was an incarcerated juvenile myself. When a juvenile is arrested for a minor offense and it is the first time, nobody goes to jail. Nobody, you don't go to jail when you're a juvenile and you get a petty offense, okay? Doesn't happen. This judge made it happen 100% of the time along with his co-conspirator. The judge often ordered youths who had found, who he found to be delinquent to be immediately shackled, handcuffed and taken away without giving them a chance to put up a defense or even say goodbye to their families. Now the reason why he classified them as delinquent is because it needed to say that on the paperwork to justify the order for juvenile. If they're not delinquent, everybody would say, well, judge, why are you sending these non-delinquent kids here? And because most of them were in poverty poor, they did not get access to high quality representation. And the judge knew it. And he took advantage of their social status, the economic status, and their youth status in order to make money. That's what these judges did. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court threw out some 4,000 juvenile convictions. They threw out 4,000 juvenile convictions involving more than 2,300 kids after the scheme was uncovered. US District Judge Christopher Connor awarded 106 million in compensatory damages and 100 million in punitive damages to nearly 300 people in a long running civil suit. <clears throat> That's not real money. When you look at all of the families that it has to go to, the suffering does not equate to the money they got, not even close. It's unlikely. These individuals, the now adult victims, will even see a fraction of the eye-popping damages award. But a lawyer for the plaintiff said it's a recognition of the enormity of the disgraced judge's crimes. Another plaintiff's attorney, So Weiss, said he would begin a probe of the judge's assets, but did not think they had any money to pay a judgment. All right, Cyberella is 72 years of age. He's already serving a 28 year prison sentence in Kentucky. His projected release date is 2035. He'll be dead long before then. Conahan, 70, was sentenced to more than 17 years. Now catch this, he was sentenced to 17 years in prison, but was released in 2020 on home confinement with six years left on his sentence because of the coronavirus pandemic. Some judge said, all right, we're gonna let him out, COVID-19.
one of his buddies, naturally. All right, uh, hell of a story, horrible, but I can't say these are the only judges doing some mess like this. They got caught. What do you thought, sis? sis? Yeah, uh, I love a good bout of justice. And for as hard as it is to come by, it doesn't feel like it happens often enough. But whenever it does happen, it's good. It's a good feeling and we need to recognize and appreciate those moments. But the for-profit prison system is one of the most egregious examples of capitalistic corruption that I can think of in this country. And we see the negative effects that it has on society. This country has one of, if not the highest incarceration rates in the world. And that's not a good thing. It's not because we're so tough on crime, it's a problem. And then when you have the school to prison pipeline, when we talk about systemic discrimination and systemic poverty, this is what we're talking about. We're not helping people to better themselves in this country. We're not giving them the resources they need to get out of whatever holes they're already in. We're instead punishing them for years for things that they did as children. And we're saddling them with permanent criminal records, putting them at a disadvantage for the rest of their lives. That follows them for the rest of their lives. When we talk about societal issues being systemic, this is what we're talking about. And these kids, they need help, they need support. They don't need to be punished as a criminal for anything that they did when they were eight years old. And they certainly don't need to be victimized by greedy, greedy cops and attorneys. Yeah. And it's really fascinating, you literally have a clear example of a for-profit company creating a corrupt policy through a sitting judge. A sitting judge created a corrupt policy because of an enticement from a for-profit company. That's why we say these kinds of connections are bad. All right, an Atlanta cop. Atlanta cop has now been indicted. I covered this on day one when it happened. He's been indicted for breaking the ankle of a man who who provided no threat whatsoever to anybody in law enforcement. Here's a video. Stop the car. Get out of the car, Atlanta police. Get out of the car. Get out the car now. Get out the car. And uh, your cannon. Let's go. Right. Get out of the car. Yeah, Get out of the car. Let's move. Right. <laughs> what are you doing, man? What do you mean, what am I doing? Tell me, what are you doing? Wait a minute, hold on. Don't grab me like that. No, hold on. Ow. No, hold on. No, hold on. You me. do Don't not swipe you my hands from me. Do you understand? Oh, oh God. Help me, please. Oh. Ooh. What's wrong with your left foot? It's tangled or something. It. I don't know. It's got what? A lot of weight on it. Just a little bit? It's a little heavier when you're drunk, too. We're laughing because you fell pretty hard after pushing an officer, man. I find that funny, man. You don't yeah, touch an officer, man. Funny. You don't I touch an officer. Do that. Yeah, no, you did bad. do that. That's bad. I, I guess I you don't drive on the wrong side of the road, either. Break it up, man. You ready? You got that side of the side. One, two, three, go. You're not even trying. Come on, man. Hey, man, put your weight on why are you putting your weight on the foot that's supposed to be hurt? Right, I'm a good guy. I would never do that to you guys. Bro, I don't even know. That's the bad thing. I'm not a You good the bad thing. Let's go. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Come on, man. Oh my You're my God. a little girl right now. Fuck, 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 fuck. What's what wrong with you, man? Oh, my God. He's doing that on purpose, man. Come on, man. He's doing that on purpose, dude. He keep rolling that, rolling that on the side on purpose, man.
These cops are cowards, they're despicable. I tell they mama that. The man's ankle was completely broken. So understand him yelling like that while they're laughing and scoffing at him. He's being tortured by these police officers. Put up the picture of the cop who has now been indicted. Let me give you a little bit of background to what happened. When Mr. Tyler Griffin got out of the car, he's the victim. When he got out of the car, an officer decided to put his hand basically on Mr. Griffin's shoulder. There's no arrest here, there's no attempted arrest. He decides to physically touch Mr. Griffin. Unwanted touch is simple battery. So the first person that committed a crime was actually the police officer. Mr. Griffin brushed the officer's hand off of his body. And it caused this cop, Donald Vickers, to run and attack him and break his ankle. He has now been indicted. Uh, let's put this picture up again. All right, Officer Donald Vickers. Was charged with the April 5th, 2019 assault of Mr. Griffin. He has been charged now with aggravated assault, battery, and violation of oath of office by a public officer. Why? He lied on the police report. Records from the Peace Officer Standards and Training Council show this cop, Vickers, who's been with the APD since 2006, remained actively employed up until the incident. Let me tell you why that's a problem. Okay? That's a problem because they saw the same video we saw. And he was actively employed with APD, Atlanta Police Department, until a grand jury in Fulton County decided to indict him. Isn't that ironic? It's fascinating to me that the police who are supposed to be trained to enforce the law, which means they have to know what a crime looks like. It's amazing to me that all of a sudden, when somebody in a blue uniform does a crime, they don't know what a crime looks like anymore. Vickers is accused of using unnecessary force when he tackled Mr. Tyler Griffin during a traffic stop April 2019. As a result, Griffin's left ankle was completely broken. You see that? You see that? The newly released indictment states Griffin's ankle was deemed useless. The officer's body cam video of the incident shows Vickers and another officer approaching Griffin during the traffic stop. They suspected Griffin was drinking and driving at the same time. In the body cam video, you can hear the officers telling Griffin to get out of the car. He complied. He was seen briefly brushing an officer's hand away because that was unwanted touch. Vickers is seen running and tackling Griffin to the ground in response. Griffin then tries to stand up and walk, but is unable to do so. All of this is on the body cam. Let's put up the interim chief of police. His name is Darren Sherbaum. In a statement, he said, APD said after learning the indictment, the department relieved Officer Vickers of duty. And he will remain in that status pending an emergency hearing with the chief of police. Why do you need an emergency hearing? Wait a minute. He got suspended because of the indictment, but it was the video that got the indictment. You all had the video on day one. This happened in 2019. 
you allowed this cop to remain active on duty and paid for years after he clearly assaulted a citizen of your community. Once again, this is why people don't like the police. This is antithetical to the community you serve, the people that actually pay your salary. And now all of a sudden, we're gonna have an emergency meeting. But he's still getting paid, he's still drawing a salary. Why have an emergency meeting now? Why not have the emergency meeting in 2019? All right, bad policies, once again, corrupt culture. Uh, Yasmin, thoughts on this? Well, we got a little bit more justice. Uh, you know, but these cops, especially when you see videos like this, these cops are so self-important. They speak to they speak to people like they're morally and intellectually superior. When so many of them, at least the ones involved in instances like this, they're just brutes with firearms. And it's like what you said, they wonder why so many of us have issues with authority now and why so many people don't trust them or are skeptical of them whenever they come up to our car, whenever they pull us over. They're supposed to support and protect the people. That's what they say, serve and protect, right? They're not supposed to antagonize people because it makes them feel better because it's better for their egos or for their own arrogance. And I'm glad that this cop was finally indicted. But whenever you hear stories like this, the other side of it is you have to wonder how many similar situations went unrecorded and unindicted. And unfortunately, you have to assume that it's a lot. That's right. And here's another thing, and I'm putting the mayor of Atlanta, recently elected Andre Dickens on notice about this. A couple of years ago, the city passed a duty to intervene mandate. Which means all of the other officers who watch this criminal act are guilty of not adhering to the duty to intervene. I got more about that in another segment. Welcome back, got a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of comments. Mika C, the silver haired dragon, why is the judge not in prison for life? He kidnapped over 2000 children, he accepted bribes, that's right. And once again, those judges should be held to a higher standard of accountability. Uh, Trudy Lawrence, thank you so much, Trudy. Bankrupt them and put these judges under the jail. There you go. Uh, Katie, thank you, Katie. Welcome to Indisputable. Lloyd Murr, thank you, Lloyd. Welcome to Indisputable. Uh, Twitch, uh, Fascist Killer says, I understand these guys uh, be held accountable, but how about the owners of the prisons? That's correct. Uh, they were caught up in the scandal as well. All right. The GOP in Alabama. All places. They put up a post of the KKK and said, Oh, my bad. Here it is. Look at that. State Representative Anthony Daniels, who was a Democrat in Huntsville, shared a screenshot of the now removed Facebook post, saying the use of the image was disgusting. As you can see, it is encoded basically in the elephant. This was the Lawrence County Republican Party in the state of Alabama. So here's what they posted. They said the Lawrence County Republican Party would like to thank Daniel Stover for his diligent work as chairman of our county party over the past several years. He has put countless hours into leading the local GOP to represent your conservative values he has made the tough person decision to remain in an active role with the party, but allow with the party, but allow a new chair to be selected. Congratulations to the new chairman, Shannon Terry. And then they put up this picture 
that obviously has uh, members of the, uh, has an imagery of the KKK, right? So let me tell you what this is about. I'm going to read the spin they're giving in just a moment, but I want you to look at this picture. I want you to understand the context of algorithms. The person who found this picture and posted it said he did it based on a Google search. Okay, I, I, I actually believe him. But the reason why that particular picture popped up on his search is because obviously he frequents places where KKK imagery is prevalent. And so that was presented to him. Because I guarantee you, when you or I, when you or I search for this symbol, that's not the first one we're gonna see. The head of the Lawrence County Republican Party apologized Monday after the organization's Facebook page used this GFX on the GOP elephant with KKK imagery, saying the hooded figures shown in the photo do not represent the views or beliefs of the group. Damn lies. <laughs> Damn lies. All right, hooded figures obviously resemble Klansmen in between the legs of the GOP elephant, and there's a reason why. The image was taken and originated from a Mother Jones story about racism within the Republican Party entitled, The Republican Party is Racist and Soulless, Just Acts as Veteran GOP Strategist. Shannon Terry, chairman of the Lawrenceville County GOP, said the image temporarily appeared on the organization's Facebook page Sunday night, suggesting that the KKK imagery was not immediately noticed by whoever posted it. Terry said he took full responsibility for the error. Um, let me say this outside of the context of their you know, mistake, as they're calling it. There's a reason why white supremacists universally support the Republican Party. There's a reason why white supremacists love them some Donald Trump. There's a reason why white supremacists are aligned and in many regions controlling the conservative movement right now. So let us not pretend that the symbolism of connecting the Republican Party and the KKK isn't relevant. Let's not pretend we're adults here. It is linked, it is together in message, ideology, and obviously even in symbolism. All right, Yasmin, thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, at least now the GOP is acknowledging their own racism. The rest of us have known who and what they are for a long time, or at the very least, We've known the racist kinds of things that they are willing to support and they're willing to tolerate, right? A lot of them don't speak up against a lot of the racism that we see in this country and a lot of the racism that is perpetuated by their own party. So maybe now we can all just stop dancing around the issue and address it head on in plain language because they are doing so. They're outing themselves. Those three dots at the bottom or those three sets of dots at the bottom of that graphic had no purpose to be there if they weren't what they obviously were. There you go, well said. All right, black residents, black residents in Mississippi in a town have been terrorized by local police. A new lawsuit details what has been happening. And we've covered the chief of police of this community before. I'm gonna get into that. The civil rights and legal advocacy organization Julian has filed suit on behalf of five Mississippi residents uh, the plaintiffs are claiming numerous incidents of black residents being falsely arrested, unreasonable searches, and unreasonable use of force by the local police. Now, I believe them. 
because the police chief admitted he does this, all right? Uh, the complaint alleges that sometimes after black residents began filing official complaints against the police in July 2021, there was an increase in harassment, threats, and false arrest by the Lexington Police Department. According to the complaint, over 200 black residents have lobbied either formal or informal complaints involving negative interactions with the Lexington Police Department. Now to contextualize this, this police department is very small. This city, this community is not a huge community. It further alleges violations of residents first, fourth and 14th amendment rights. The complaint outlines instances of roadblocks near black communities, black high school during school held events, but no comparable treatment events in white neighborhoods or the white school. Several specific incidents of retaliatory arrest and detentions of multiple black residents are noted for the record. Former Chief Sam Dobson, Dobbins, whom we heard boasting about killing 13 people while on duty, including a black person said he shot that N word 119 times. He was named in the complaint for a different incident. Now remember, this guy is talking to a black cop and saying, I shot that N word. And he proceeds to tell you what he did. He also said he has covered up murders for other cops. He said all of this while being recorded. Here it is. Let me explain something to you. Come on. You're going to get in some in the street. There's only going to be one man fighting for you. Yeah. It's going to be me. Okay? Don't ever ruin that. All right? Because these other they'll let you brown. Okay? I killed 13 men in my career. Okay? Justified. Huh? In my career, I have shot and killed in the line of duty 13 different people. You just shot so many. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Justified, bro. Okay. Ask around. Hey, they ain't going to tell you no. I got a big corn shootout, man. A cornfield over there. Jimmy Dale Thomas, he worked it. Justified, bro. I shot that 119 times. Okay? I don't give a. I don't give a if you kill a with a cold blood. Do you hear what I'm saying? I will articulate to fix the problem. And I'm the only man in the business here that's smart enough to do it, I promise you. I don't talk for years. I don't, I don't talk. I ain't got nothing for you. Why isn't that police chief under criminal investigation? He has admitted to covering up murders. He has said he shot 13 people, we need to know who. He also said he shot that N word 119 times, proving that he had bias in the assault against that individual. Where is the investigation? Community residents are saying this is normative behavior of that police department. Well, obviously it is, look at the leadership. There's more. Plaintiff Eric Redmond. Who's a former law enforcement officer described an incident involving Dobbins and other police officers? According to the complaint, Redmond went to the station to post bail for his sister, only to learn her bail amount had nearly tripled without explanation. Redmond reportedly wanted a reason for the change in bail and was instead met with aggressive action from the arresting officer at the behest of Dobbins. Community residents also told the Mississippi Center for Investigative Reporting. That Dobbins replacement was not much better. Jill Colin Jefferson, president and founder of Julian, also said from her conversations with the residents, little has changed since Dobbins was fired. 
background on Dobbins replacement. Interim Lexington Police Chief Charles Henderson, whom also was named in the complaint, allegedly propositioned about 12 women for sex. When they refused, he gave them a ticket and arrested them, with one of whom spending three months in detention. Let's go to the other leader, the mayor of the community. Let's put a picture up. Her name is Robin McCrory. She, the mayor, was arrested in 2006 for assault. The mayor and the city clerk engaged in physical combat during a dispute over voided checks. But no judge, no trial date was ever set. It simply disappears. Once again, these individuals work for the community of Lexington, the taxpayers. Those are the people you are accountable to, Mr. Mrs. Police Officer. You have failed to realize the first dynamic duty that you have to serve. Not to lord over, not to be dictator, but to serve. Um, yes, some thoughts on this. Yeah, you know, I remember this guy, the chief. I think we actually talked about him the last time that I was on this show, or another time I was on the show. And it's disheartening when we live in a country that's supposed to be, you know, the epitome of democracy, the biggest success story of democracy that the planet has ever seen. But it's still so hard for the masses to have their voices heard without getting drowned out by a horrible select few in well placed positions in government. And we pretend that we're better than every other country in the world, that our problems are different from the ones that they have. But no, we have rampant corruption right here. We're not immune to it, we're not better. We need to be better and I think we can be better, but we won't be until we actually start talking about these problems that we have plainly without denying that they exist even like we can't even get people to admit that these problems exist in this country. And we have to be able to talk about it without worrying about who feels uncomfortable about it because yeah. uncomfortability is not more important than actual lives that are being impacted by people like this. That's right, and the great irony is they're comfortable in their bigotry and racism. This was a white police chief talking to a black officer, one of his own guys, yeah. using the N word over and over again. And not just using it, saying how he has killed N words. He felt that comfortable to be evil. Well, you should feel even more comfortable when you're righteous. We got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. Okay, the plot thickens with Secret Service. According to new information, the Secret Service received threats against Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, and did nothing about it. Actually told about these threats after January 6th. According to Secret Service emails obtained by crew, the Secret Service knew of a threat against Nancy Pelosi. On January 6, days before, but did not pass it along until hours after the Capitol had been breached. On January 4th, Secret Service agents discovered a parlor account, which we've chosen not to name, posting a series of violent threats toward lawmakers. Other profiles with the same name appeared on Twitter, MeWe, and others, YouTube and Facebook included. On December 31st, the account posted, and I quote, January 6th starts 1776, all over again. Pipe everything. 
and listed enemies including Pelosi at 5.55 PM on January 6th. After hours of defending the United States Capitol from a violent mob, the United States Capitol Police received the post along with the message from Secret Service. And here's what the message said, good afternoon. The US Secret Service is passing notification to the US Capitol Police regarding discovery of a social media threat directed towards Speaker Nancy Pelosi. This was hours after the attack. Oh, by the way, somebody is trying to kill Nancy Pelosi. We got this message a few days ago, meant to get it to you earlier. Sorry, we'll get it to you now. So obviously there's gonna be pushback saying they they, they didn't see it in time or uh, there was a protocol issue. They had a heavy workload, oh, okay. So if you had a heavy workload prior to January 6th, somehow your workload lightened up on January 6th when you sent the message to Capitol Police. The language used was a clear call for violence to overthrow the government. It was far from the only troubling post the Secret Service found tied to this account. A Twitter post from the same day as the threat against Pelosi listed, tips for the brave and courageous patriots going to DC to force Congress to refuse Biden's rigged election. The tips included warnings such as keep MAGA gear hidden until after checking in all hotels. DC is very blue and a hotbed for Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Stay with a large group, especially at night and be wary of DC police officers. As January 6th loomed, the threats got more specific, okay? Biden will die shortly after being elected. The account posted on January 2nd. Patriots are gonna tear his head off. Prison is his best case scenario. We're all on a mission to save America, lone wolf attacks. Lone wolf attacks are the way to go. Read a post the following day, read a post the following day. Stay anonymous, stay alive, guns up, Patriots. Once again, Secret Service had notice of all of this, did not relay it until after the attack. It was still during the attack, but after hours into the attack. The crew article goes on to conclude, in the past month, we've learned that the Secret Service failed to prepare for violence on January 6th, despite receiving explicit warnings, then deleted key evidence from the day, likely breaking the law. The delay in notifying Capitol Police about the threat to the Speaker of the House only adds to the impression that the agency failed to do its job and leads to more questions. Why did the agency wait two days until after Capitol Police had been breached and congressional leaders were in hiding to pass it along? And let me say this, in all due respect to the conclusion of this particular writer, let me say this very clearly for the record. If the actions of the Secret Service were intentional when they deleted those text messages. Why do you think these other actions are unintentional? All right, just sister, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, you know, this whole January 6th insurrection, I feel like there's so much that still needs to come out about yes. the January, about what happened that day. I think it's gonna be one of those things that people study and obsess over for years, if not decades to come, kind of like the JFK assassination. And who knows, we may never get to the bottom of everything that went down that day. We're never gonna know everything that happened. We're never gonna know who was involved, who was complicit, who was cooperative. But the more stories like this one break, it should help to at least build a bigger picture that there's a problem in this country. We have a, a really dangerous chasm that needs to be addressed. 
We have a lot of damage yeah. we have to heal, and I don't know how that's going to happen. Apart from like time, just eventually separating people from their delusions. And in the meantime, people like the ones who attack the Capitol are dangerous and threatening, and they need to be treated as such and dealt with accordingly. Well said. All right, a pastor, yeah, a man of God, he was mad at his congregation for not buying him a Movado watch. Here it is. See, that's how I know you still poor, broke, busted, and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. Come on, come on. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John knit. Y'all can't afford it, no how. I ain't worth y'all Louis Vuitton. I ain't worth your Prada. I'm not worth your Gucci. You can buy a Movado watch in Sam's. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And y'all know I asked for one last year. Here it is the whole way in August. I still ain't got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters. I don't want to hear no more excuses about what y'all can't afford. You can't afford it because you don't see the value here. Y'all hear from y'all pastor and father, I'm over y'all. I'm over your cheap expressions. That's called Jesus pimping. He delivered his sermon in the spirit of a Chicago pimp. All he cares about is the money that he can get from the congregants who are looking to him for leadership. Pastor, what you did was disgusting. I will not allow charlatans like you to define my faith. I hope your congregation realizes the man you really are now. The individual who spoke on that stage was adversarial to progress, growth, and spirituality. His name is Pastor, let's put his picture up, Pastor Carlton Funderburk of the church at the well in Kansas City, who reaction to the negative press has now issued an apology video. All right, so he apologized. I'm not gonna play his apology video. You can look it up when you get a chance. I'm so sick and damn tired of these individuals. Are manipulating congregations, manipulating good-hearted people that simply would like to be replenished and encouraged because of the stresses they face in the world. They get to a place like this, what does he do? He damages them even more, talks down to them, tells them they're broke, busted, and disgusted. No, sir, you are morally bankrupt, calling yourself a preacher, and you have nothing to deliver. Yasmin, thoughts here? And they were short on time, but like, who goes to church to be spoken to that way? And why are these people looking at a guy like that for leadership? And a Movado, like, bro, just go buy your own and call it a day. That's it. None of this needed to happen. Yeah, well said. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.